Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. I would like for my wife to stand. She's not, for sicknesses and babies, not been able to be part of the meeting too much. That's our 10-month-old baby girl, Chloe Graceland. And, uh, <laughs> and Preston's down on the floor somewhere in between spankings. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to preach to your hearts for just about between 25, 20, 30 minutes this morning. On one of us all stand. One of the greatest comforting texts that we have in the church age has to do with this great high priest that is that has eternally sworn for the salvation of man. The Lord Jesus is our high priest. Brother Jesse sang so wonderfully on He Came to Me. And I want to say now you can come to Him. Well, three of you are excited about that. Let me... Put that in reverse and run that by you again. He came to us. And now we can come to Him. That's a little better right there. We can come to Him. And so Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, let me begin in verse 12. I'm not in a hurry because I'm concerned about you. I'm in a hurry because I seen that food they were carrying in a while ago. <laughs> I peeked out my little window and watched the, uh, watched the treasures of heaven being <laughs> strolled by. My philosophy is if you live in 21st century America and die skinny, you have dysfunctions we can't help you with. Y'all need to help old Jared. Jared's, he's only got three stripes on that pink shirt of his right there. And that boy behind him from Blackshear, he's got two and a half stripes on that one. Some of these skinny boys. See me and Jesse, we'll help you skinny boys. With whatever. Nathan, you too, son. You can't hide the all your life. I see you over there. Bony fellas, don't you just wonder what's ailing them? <laughs> Fat people are harder to kidnap. <laughs> I was waiting on you to get in this thing with me there, brother suspenders. It's my contribution to the war effort. That's one of the biggest things them terrorists use, you know, is kidnapping. So I'm going to do my part to help the red, white, and blue. Yes, sir. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. Now we got to pray before we read. Y'all done got in, Brother Steve, they done got in such trouble. Now we got to pray. Lord Jesus, help us this morning. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for this assembly. Help us. May the preaching all week long be easy. May it be eternal. May it be effectual. Lord, may we all be gathered up in the embrace of Christ this week. 
The lost can be found. The unregenerated can be born again. The sinful can be cleansed. And the wicked can be forgiven. Oh God, the prodigal can come home. The struggling can find strength. Help us in Christ's name, I pray. And all the Lord's people said, Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not in a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can be seated. I pulled this text out this morning and this message out of a series of sermons that we preach on, on the boldness of the blood. Only three times in the book of Hebrews do you find the word bold. And this is one of them. Where because of the blood, that chapter uh, 10 verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Bold through the blood. This is the first place that we come to it. In Hebrews, we are able to be bold in prayer. We're able to be bold in perfection. For he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Good to be saved, isn't it? And then in chapter 13, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You can be bold in protection. I felt led to come to this piece of scripture and pull it out of those series of messages and run one thought by you this morning. And I don't even know how to title it. But I would say, Brother Jesse helped us, so we'll, we'll just preach on, uh, he came to me, so now I can come to him. Because he became what we are, we can now become what he is. He was made sin, that we might be made righteousness. The righteousness of God in him. And uh, this is the sympathizing Savior. He came to us. He became us. And He is our sympathizing Savior. I want to say to everybody in the building, I don't care who you are or what you are, you were born at the right time. You're in the church age where there's grace and mercy for all of mankind. And of course, we do understand that Calvary 
what Jesus did on the cross encompasses and covers all of time and eternity. It's all right to be born in other dispensations too. But can I stop and say that right here in the church age, you're in an hour where the blood of Christ is flowing freely and the work of the Holy Spirit is operating mightily and He can take you and change you. He can take you and deliver you. He can take you and help you. And I guess what thrills my heart most of all is He will take you. <laughs> Woo! He will take you. He'll take the worst among us. And, and the truth be known, we all ought to feel that we are the worst among us. And he'll take any case, anywhere, anybody in this hour of mercy and grace. You can come to him. You can come to him because he came to us. Now, here you go. I've got several eyes for you. We're all going to have plenty of eyes today. And uh, here we go. Number one, you can come to him with your internal problems. Look at the end of verse 12. He is a discerner. Hallelujah. Of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, the way my mind is this morning, the way we'll probably be tonight, we may deal with that old heart more. But I've got this to say to you. You don't even know your heart. It's the biggest lie of America is that you can know your heart and we'll help you find your heart and find out what's going on and then you ought to follow your heart. It's the biggest lie in America. As humanism, as Hollywood, it's made more of a mess of anything on the planet. Jeremiah said in chapter 16 or chapter 20, read Jeremiah, you'll find it somewhere. He said there that uh, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who then can know it? The, de- the depths of depravity in your wicked heart are greater than you can know. Depths that you cannot plumb and, and depths that you'll never mind. You can't know your heart. Your heart will lie to you. It's deceitful. It, and I don't care Montel or Oprah. That everybody tried Dr. P. Howe. The, all of them trying to help folk figure out their heart. There ain't but one thing that you need with your heart done. That's a, uh, y'all trying to figure out who Dr. P. Hile is. That's what it looked like to me. You need an open heart surgery and let the Lord Jesus come in, open up your heart and pull the black mass of sin out of it and put the precious righteousness of Christ in it. He knows your heart and he'll fix your heart. And he understands your heart. You don't need to understand. And you sure don't need to follow your heart. You'll be in nine marriages before age 45 if you follow your heart. Follow the word of God. Follow the spirit of God. Ain't nobody knows nothing about love except a few old people. They can tell the rest of us what it is. And uh, I can tell you this. God is love. And outside of God, there is no love. And any real love comes from God and goes back to God. And so young people talk about being in love. These precious girls and all these young fellas, even these skinny boys, they're a blessing to my heart to see all of them here. And I want to tell all you young people something. Don't follow your heart. Don't rely on your heart. Don't trust your heart. Listen to the Holy Ghost of God. Listen to the Word of God. 
We read it in Proverbs today. The good pastor taught Sunday school and he got right down to that verse said, in the multitude of counselors there is safety. I was looking over at that verse. In the multitude of counselors there is safety. You don't know your heart. You can't know your heart. Your heart's black and wicked, deceitful and desperately wicked. But thank God, whatever's happening down in there bothers us sometimes. Isn't that right? Your heart will accuse you, 1 John chapter 4. Your heart will accuse you. And John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Your heart will trouble you. There are worries that come out of your heart. There's willfulness, a strong will that comes out of your heart. There's waywardness. Boy, your heart will lie to you and it'll say, let's go this direction. It'll be the wrong direction. There's wickedness. That comes out of that heart. Matthew chapter 14 or 15. Read Matthew, you'll find it. The heart, he said, out of the heart proceedeth forth all manner of evil. Murders and adulteries come out of the heart. And uh, I've got good news for you. He knows your heart. And you're in his heart. And he's willing to take your heart Old Lester Oloff preached on Dr. Law and Dr. Grace. What about that? And old Dr. Law, he'll open you up and show you what's wrong with you. And he'll leave you laying there bleeding and dying. But then Dr. Grace comes in and puts everything back together. Hallelujah. I'm about to have me a happy bubble. I got news for you. (laughs) You can bring all your internal problems to this great high priest. Then... In verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, you can bring your iniquity to Jesus. That's that internal corruption. When we talk about transgressions, we've talked about where you outwardly have crossed a line. When we talk about sin, we talk about that great inability of man to come up to the standard of the holiness and glory of God. But when we talk about iniquity, that I-N, in, ought to give you a little clue. It's internal business. That's indwelling business. That's the corruption that's in you. And I got good news for you. We do have a great high priest. And he passed into the heavens. He resurrected and went on to heaven. Before he did that, he went to Calvary's cross and died for you. And he died as you. And he took that three-headed hound that guards the gates of hell and keeps sinners in. And he busted that, he busted the head of that three-headed hound. The sins, iniquities, and transgressions. Thank God he took care of them. And you can confess your sins to Jesus. You can conquer your sins by bringing them to Jesus. You can have your sin cleansed. If you're unregenerated and sitting here without Christ in your bosom, you're a sinner and you're lost and you're blind and you're presently in a state of eternal damnation heading for an eternal hell. But I got good news for you, sinner friend. We have one who made himself a friend of sinners. (laughs) Hallelujah. You can come to Jesus if it's murder and adultery and a host of other things that you are guilty of. You can bring them to the cross because he paid the price. 
And it won't be no short deal. It won't be no quick con. It was a just price paid by a just one. And you can be justified and you can be cleared on the records of God's law books. Your, your account can be wiped clean with the blood of Christ because he's already suffered for that sin that you committed. He's already paid the price for it. He is already punished eternally for that sin on Calvary's cross. You can bring your iniquities. Number three, look in verse 15. Of course, and I'm glad before I leave number two too quickly, not just a sinner, friend, but saints of God, children of God, you can still bring your sins. The old preachers preached to me, Brother Edward, that the sinner, he needed to bring his sin. He just had one problem, that was sin. But them Christians and believers, we deal with sins. And uh, oh, I'm glad we can bring them to our great high priest and be cleansed and enjoy the forgiveness that we actually live in and enjoy the fellowship that that sin messed up. Now here's your third eye, verse 15. I'm glad you can come to him with your infirmities. That's your weakness and your sickness. Verse 15. For we have not in a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Well, he even knows what it feels like. Your infirmities, that's, that's that weakness. That's that wretchedness. That's that sickness, not just sickness of body, but sickness of soul. You can come to him with your infirmities. I'm glad that God loves us in the mess that we're in, aren't you? Our infirmities. And he knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like. Be amazed to understand the array of problems. All the problems and brokenness and wretched hearts that are represented right here this morning. People that have been abused, people that have been heartbroken, people that have, are living in sorrow and suffering and, and cruel and uncalled for conditions. And some people even going through things that are unbearable and they're about to crack under that pressure. I got news for you. He went into a garden and he took a cup contained the sins and the sickness and the shame of the entire world. And brother, just looking in that cup caused great drops of blood to come pouring out of his forehead. You talk about getting in a sweat. Brother, the stress he was under, the pressure he was under caused great drops of blood to come pouring out of his head. And there's not an abused little child but what he knows what they're going through. And there's not a single mom about to have a nervous breakdown, but what he knows what you're going through. And there's not a lonely widow out yonder except he knows what you, I don't care what valley you're in. Yeah, woo! If you look around, there's a set of footprints right there and he's already been there and he knows what it feels like and he's touched. He is touched. His heart is touched. He cares. Oh, yes, he cares. Oh, Charles Weigel wrote that song. When, his, when he, God touched him and called him and anointed him, and his wife walked out on him and broke his heart and blotched his life and busted up the blessings of his day. She walked out on him said, I don't want any part with Jesus or with church or with preaching. And he went down by the water side, old Charles Weigel, 70 years ago about. He went down by the water side to jump off in that water and kill himself. And end it all, he was so broken.
And while he's just sitting there, the Lord Jesus, he's so faithful, isn't he? That great comforter stood up in his soul and began to embrace him, began to caress him, began to whisper to him. Solomon said, he'll kiss me with the kisses of his mouth and his, his eyes are set in milk and he, his voice is soft like a dove's voice. And that great comforter, I got news for you, Jesus loves us this morning. He ain't no little old sissy. He's God. But he loves you with a powerful love. And he sent that comforter to us. Can I get a witness? And that comforter began to comfort old brother Charles Wagle until God took the sorrow out of his heart and put a song in there. And that old song with no one ever, I'm about to pop me a half a dozen happy bubbles. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I I only sing when I get requests. And I'm the only one that ever requests. But I like to honor my own requests lest I leave here and I have hurt my own feelings. <laughs> That'd be bad if you hurt yourself, wouldn't it? So I don't want to hurt my feelings. And uh, I want to honor my request. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. (laughs) Can you get blessed by your own singing? Is that all right? I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. And I could sing the whole song, if I, but I've satisfied myself now. What are these, the old songs? Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. Charles Weigel knew that he had a Savior who was touched with the feeling of his infirmities. And I got good news for y'all. Y'all, you can come to him. You can come to him. That little, I don't know why this crossed my mind, but that little harlot woman knew she could come to him. Right in the middle of all them Pharisees. And uh, she brought her little perfume box. You think about that for a minute. We shout about that. Don't you know that was an insult to all them self-righteous people? That was the harlot's perfume box. But she brought that little... Of course, she wasn't a harlot no more. Jesus had touched her and, and forgiven her and drove them devils out and cleansed her. And uh, that little sinner woman who had been forgiven came to Jesus right in the middle of that public gathering, all them self-righteous Pharisees. She knew she could. He was approachable. He was accessible. He was affectionate, not effeminate, but affectionate. He is the kind, sympathetic, loving Savior. The God-man who was God and yet became man without ceasing to be God. 
and 100% man, 100% God. Little children knew they could come to him. And uh, that little fella come up here to you a while ago, Brother Edward, and see the little children, they knew they could come to Jesus. And that harlot woman, she knew that she could come in there and open up that alabaster box and pour it out on her feet, on the feet of Jesus. And then Pharisees tried to get rid of her, but Jesus said, oh, you boys don't understand. Unto whom much is forgiven, the same shall love much. Infirmities. I got news for y'all in verse 16. You can come to him with your impossibilities. Let us therefore come boldly. Brother Steve, I'll be honest, if the Holy Spirit hadn't put the word boldly in verse 16, I don't think I'd ever had the nerve to come. And I know there's been a thousand times over I'd have not had the, I'd have not had the courage or the inclination or the thought that he would let me come in or want me to. But that word boldly changes everything. That's why you don't need to go, go get no old modern version. Stick with the old King James Bible. Stick with the old call says, surely took them good words out. And you won't even think you can come to God. If he hadn't put boldly in there, there would have been a thousand times that I thought, well, he, he ain't going to let me in. Not this time. Not now. Not the way I've been. Not after what's happened. Not, not the shape I'm in. But he said, boldly! You can come that, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In my Bible, I got that little need underlined in a time of need. And obviously, if you're running to God, that's because nobody else can fix it. You can come to Him with your impossibilities. I don't care what it is, what it looks like. It's impossible with God. All things are possible. I'll make a, long, a real long story. I'll make it real short. God uh, saved my precious wife. I was there to see her get saved years ago. I was young and single, and she was young and single. And I was there. I just started pastoring that little country church and watched her get saved and fell in love with her and married her sometime thereafter. <laughs> Hallelujah. All these dating, all these bachelors, they look at the old married men and say, man, I feel sorry for them married guys. But what they don't know is all of us old married guys are saying, look at them poor bachelors. I feel so sorry for all them boys. See there, you boys get with the program. Get your wife this week. Amen. <laughs> and uh, but she began to pray. Her daddy was uh, a hard man. A uh, blasphemous man. First words I ever heard come out of his mouth. Me and Jennifer went up there to the state prison and that little old wooden house where she grew up. Her daddy was a prison guard on death row with all them demon-possessed men. Demon-possessed atmosphere. First words I heard out of his mouth. Blasphemed the name of God. We banged on the door and he cursed. That's the first words I ever heard of his mouth. God. And a hard man, bitter man, chewed me out, hated my guts. He'd never even seen my guts, and he still hated them. <laughs> I didn't understand that, but... She began to pray. She began to pray. And she began to pray. Impossible situation. She prayed maybe three years for God to save him. And I remember the day that Jennifer came in and said, I've, I'm no longer asking God to save my daddy. 
He said, I'm going to ask God to break my daddy. (laughs) And honey, business picked up. I'll not tell you the story, but his life fell apart, his spirit fell apart, his mind fell apart. And I remember the day in that little single wide, actually it was an angle wide trailer we were living in. It was so narrow, the S fell off of it. And uh, <laughs> couldn't even get in a good family fuss in that thing. Had to go out in the yard. That's why rednecks go out in the yard. Anyway. And the phone rang. And her daddy took him two hours. Sobbing and slobbering. Took him two hours to say two things. He was so full. I'm sorry. And I'm saved. (laughs) You can go to God with anything impossible. And uh, he's willing. And he's able. You can come to him. Now let me bring this thing down to, I got three more, but I can make them short. Watch this. I love this, Brother Edward, in verse 2. Who can have compassion on the ignorant. You can come to him with your ignorance. With your ignorance. I knew an old sinner got saved and they come in there and had tattoos, had scars. Had them nuts and bolts over the eyebrows and through the nose, you know, and the lip. and Heaven knows. You know that most of America is demon possessed and they're just fighting God and cursing God and they have no idea how they're acting or what they're doing. I'm glad we got one who can have compassion on people who have no idea how stupid they're acting against God. And how many of you in here today, even though we got on our suits and our dresses, but you can hide behind those, but the truth is back there, there's a lot of ignorance. Hurt, hurt a lot of people maybe. Sure. Left a wake of sorrow and chaos wherever you went. Operating it. I'm glad that God can reach down to those miserable wretches and get people that are not just ignorant. Yes. Now this verse has greater meaning to me when I found this out, preacher. Ignorant is actually not just people that are ignorant don't know It's people who know but choose to ignore. That's the meaning of the word. Those who ignore. How many people raised up in church and raised up around the light and raised up around the truth ignored what they knew and went on against God? I'm glad that he takes care of those who don't know. And I'm glad he's willing to offer mercy for those who knew better but ignored God. That puts us all in the class of being ignorant. People who were ignorant didn't know and people who knew but chose to ignore the ways of God. Woo! That means some old sinner can stumble in here out of a dysfunctional part of the hell holes of this world, never seen a songbook, never seen a Bible, ignorant. And there's mercy with this high priest. But it also means those who sinned against light and blasphemed against God in his very face just ignored God. It means they too can come 
And there's compassion for those who ignored. Hallelujah. You can come to him. And then on them that are out of the way, you can come to him with your impairments. Out of the way. Best way I can make this phrase clear to you is one word. Warped. Out of the way they should be in. Warped. In a nation where we killed babies and made light of marriage. In a nation where we've raised youngins around demons and drugs. We've got a lot of folk that are warped. They're warped. Some of them are badly warped. I'm glad I don't care who they are. You can bring them to Jesus and if they can look up towards Him, no matter how warped sin, Satan, and society left you, the Lord can, He'll take you in. I'm not saying this to be funny. Last week, many of you saw that little crippled boy, Eric, saying his body is warped. And then that little fiance, he's got had that spinal bifida and her little body is all warped, but they found true love with each other. You know them two looked in the mirror their whole life and thought, nobody ever going to love me. Nobody ever have me. <laughs> but another warped person saw them and said, I understand you and I love you. And you're beautiful to me. I may stop now and saying, you are so beautiful to me. <laughs> if Jesse would play it, maybe, in the fellowship hall. Oh! But I got news for you. Jesus looks at all the warped people, and he loves you, and he'll take you. may not be warped in body, but you're so warped on the inside, you're hurting. Here's the last one in verse 7. You can come to him with your injuries. Look in verse 7. Speaking of our great high priest, who in the days of his flesh, while he was here on earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with, here it comes, strong crying and tears. Jesus knows about strong crying and tears. He was heard. He cried unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. And though he were a son, and I want to say this, he was a perfect son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. This is not talking about sinless perfection. It says learned obedience and suffering. Simply means Jesus came to know some things he had never known before. He had not known our suffering until he entered into it. He had not known our sorrows until he entered into them. He didn't know what it was to be sin until he was made, even though he did know sin and he had no sin. He was made to be sin for us on Calvary's cross. And his journey to us brought strong crying and tears. And I want to say to you, you can come to him with your strong crying. I've heard some people cry strong. Some people whine all the time and they ain't never cried once in their whole life, really. I'm trying to close now. We heard a man preach last week, young preacher. Buried his first wife three days before his 
one year anniversary. Been in church three times on Sunday, going one more time that night. Come over a hill and some drunks had parked in the middle of the road and they hit it head on. Her head hit the windshield and she died. It was such a mess that the helicopter took her to one hospital in Chattanooga and ambulance took him to another hospital in Dalton. They're 45 minutes from each other. She was on life support for three days even though she was actually dead on the scene. He was, this preacher, young preacher was swelled up. Hips and pelvic was all busted up. His head was swelled up like a basketball. He's out of his mind. And his mother would meet you at the door when everybody that came to see him, his little wife laying over in the next city on life support, and they weren't going to tell him that she was dead until they actually pulled the plug. And his mother would meet everybody at the door as he came to visit and say, now, now he don't know that she's dead. So it's a try that you can't say anything about that. And everybody would come in there, he'd, have you seen my wife? How's she doing? Where's she at? And his mother and father would intervene and take over the conversation and try to get through it while people visited with him. And I was there at the door of that hospital room after three days and three nights when his pastor came in and his grandma and grandpa and his mother and father and his brother and his younger brother. And they gathered around and that old man of God, boy, don't you appreciate preachers in your life? Leaned over and took that young boy's hand and said, John, never got to tell you about Amy. Said, son, she's gone on. She's passed on to heaven. And uh, I can't describe to you what that boy did. It's somewhere between a roar and a sob, a scream and a wail, but it was none of them, but it was all of them put together for a half hour. And then he began to beg God, just let him die. He couldn't take it. Just let him die. Just let me die so I can go where she is. Just let me die. And they tried to comfort him, but they couldn't comfort him. Strong crying and tears. That young preacher, just a few of you know him, that young preacher told me a couple of years later, he said that night when everybody was gone, maybe his mother and dad was sitting outside the room. He said in the middle of that night, he said, I was trying to die laying in that bed, just laying there trying to die. He said about 2 o'clock in the morning, he said, now I can't explain this and you can't either. He said, but my door opened up and Jesus came in. <laughs> said he walked up to my bed and said he, Said he pulled them covers back and said he laid down in the bed with me and just helped me. And he said, I've, I've got help that night and I never needed help since then. He said, I got help that night. Now we're not talking about some silly Pentecostal vision. We're talking about the Lord being real to you when you need him to be real to you. He said, Jesus came in the room and <laughs> held him. He's one you can go to with your injuries. He's cried strong tears. Now he came to us. Now it's up to us to come to him. He's invited us. 
He's drawn us. If you're here and you've never been saved, you ought to just come to the Lord this morning. Believing what he did on Calvary's cross is enough. That's all it is. You come to him and he'll make you one of his own. And how many Christians need to get on this altar this morning and bring, bring your business to him, whatever it is. Our heads are bowed.